Blog Talk Radio. There was a time I was so afraid, so scared to do what I wanted. In looking back, I can see all the mistakes that I made And I wish that I could talk to me And tell me I can change Don't be afraid Welcome to Blog Talk Radio Safe Recovery. This is Monica, and I am your host. Hold on a second. All righty. And today is today is June sixth, two thousand and seventeen. And I am happy, happy, happy to tell you that I have Melanie Beth Solomon on the show. Melanie wrote the book AA, Not the Only Way. And she's working on a third edition, and she's going to call in any minute. Now, what's interesting about this book is this was uh, one of the first books that I found when I was still in AA and um, thinking about leaving, so it was like 2010, and I went to search, I think Amazon existed, and found it and bought it. And uh, so it was one of the, I was kind of shocked to find it. I was like, oh, wow, look at this. So I think that Melanie's in the queue. We're going to just put her on here right now. Hi, Melanie. Hi. How are How you? How are you? I'm good. good. Welcome to the show. Thank you. You're welcome. Glad to be here. You're welcome. Yeah, yeah. So I'm glad to, of all the years that I've, you know, known you from your book and just sort of seen you out there and around, uh, all right, so let's just jump right into it. Oh, my, where's my thing? Um, what you want to tell us, uh, where do you want to start? you want to start with what you're working on now and where, with the book, and then we can go back? Or? Um, well, if we can start, why don't we start at the beginning of how, do you want to start, like, how I, uh, like, even came up with the book, like, to begin with? Yeah, okay, so... Let's talk about your story, how you got into AA in the, in the first place, and then how you got out of there. Let's start, with, let's start there. Okay. Um, well, how I got into AA, um, it, uh, I was actually uh, addicted to uh, prescription pills. And um, it, I was going to UCLA Law School, and um, I had never had an addiction problem before. And, you know, I had always partied in high school, partied in college, but my grades always came first. Um, but then all of a sudden, um, my doctor prescribed me something for my headaches and I got addicted to that. And then I got addicted to, uh, and my anxiety medication and whatever. And then I, you know, I, I realized I couldn't, couldn't get off of them. Uh, uh-huh. so my dad, who was a diehard, uh, AA person, 
uh, instantly put me through me into a um, a well-known uh, re- rehab, uh, an AA rehab, um, you know, and uh, wow. that was when I was introduced to AA. And, um, you know, they were like, you know, you're an alcoholic. I'm like, no, I'm not an alcoholic. I even had my mom call them to tell them I wasn't an alcoholic. Um, yeah. And I said, I didn't like, it, you know, saying I was. And they're like, well, you know, you'll, hmm. you'll, by the time you're done here, you'll, you'll see that you are, you know, you'll, you'll get that, that you are. And oh. so I'm like, what, do I get to catch it? You know? And they're like, yeah, basically you are. And basically I yeah. did. By the time I was done there, I was like, okay, I guess I am an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so that's how I got into AA. And, but, you know, I went to there and then I went to their sober living because they said I wasn't even done yet after 30 days. So I went to, you know, more AA stuff with their sober living for another like two months. And um, between that and my dad being an AA hardcore person, it, you know, I didn't have a chance. You know, I, I, mm-hmm, it was, mm-hmm. you know, AA or nothing. Yeah. And um, uh, this went on for over a decade of in and out of, of AA. I, it, you know, I couldn't stay sober for more than like six months to a year. Mm-hmm. Um, I would always relapse. Time, that's a long time. But they don't think consider it's a long time in AA. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But for people who yeah. stop that, that long who have really – having issues, that's actually a long time to, but anyway, go ahead. Wow, I'm like really yeah. didn't realize any of this part of your story. Okay, so six months to a year. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I would always realize because my depression and anxiety uh, would come back really strong, and and uh, it always would come back, and I would say, you know what, I don't want to live like this, you know, I, you know, and I would relapse. Right. And, um, you, know, I, you know, I've always had that depression and anxiety as, as long, you know, as long as I can remember. And that does, A, does not address that at all, they, you know, and they don't, and a lot of people have coexisting, um, co-occurring disorders. That's like, mm-hmm. uh, like 80% of people, 80, 80% of us have that. Well, I don't know if it's 80, and but it's, there's, I, I think there's no, a lot. I mean, I, I, lot. I, I don't know if there's any kind of a study done, but I think that between uh, maybe a, a co-occurring disorder or trauma and then there's mm-hmm. plenty of people who just got into doing it habitually, a lot of the men that I interviewed. So I think that there's this group that had co-occurring disorders and then another group who had trauma. So I was one of those who had childhood trauma and um, and then and or teenage, you know, uh, sexual trauma. And then there's this group of men who had no issue and then worked in the stock market business or, you know, heavy where there's a lot of drinking that went on and pounding and stuff. But, um, yeah, there's plenty of people I know who, who have all one of those three, you know? Yeah. Oh, and trauma. Yeah. And trauma is a big one too. Um, a lot of, a lot of trauma. Um, and, and and anyway, this I mean, this went on, you know, relapse, you know, relapse going in and out of AA, in and out to, and then to different rehabs too. But all, you know, most of the rehabs were AA based, so it was basically just like going right back into AA. And mm-hmm. so it was just craziness, and it was a horrible way to live. And just and I after one almost fatal uh, overdose, I was like, you know what? If this, you know, if this is living, I really don't want to live anymore. No, thank you. And mm-hmm. so I, I, something just made me look, you know, go to my computer and just start looking alternatives to AA. I'm like, there's got to be something else. And boom, this whole world opened up to me. I just found, I know, I found Smart. I found, you know, Life Ring and SOS. And I found, I found all these different groups and just different things. And I'm like, why didn't the, nobody told me this? You know, out of, you know, you know, all these years of struggling and, you know, not my therapist, not the rehabs, not the anybody. Nobody told me there was any other way. 
Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, if I had never figured it out, and I'm, you know, I'm pretty smart, you know, but I never even thought to look because they always said AA is the only way, and, and they always kept saying, keep coming back. I hate that mm-hmm. mantra, keep coming back, you know. Oh, yeah. um, you know, because keep coming back as you're hitting your head against the wall, you know, instead of trying another program that might actually work for you. Right, um, right. You know what I mean? So, um, so yeah, this whole world opened up, and that's kind of, I said, you know, there, there's there got to be a lot, you know, other people, too, that don't know about these, you know, alternatives, and that's where the book came about. And, you know, there's there are so many people that don't know about the alternatives. Right, and when you, um, this is self-published, right? Is it self-published? Mm-hmm. Did you were you yeah. able to get press when you first released this book? Were you able to get yeah, like do a radio actually, tour? I mean, oh yeah, I did some. Ra- I did did like over twenty five radio shows for this book. It got an Amazon bestseller. I mean, it it did pretty well just for being self published. It just um it was really po- it just became really popular. Um, when was that? I'm looking um, for the, the when it was published. When was it published? It was time. published, I think, the first edition. It's, it's in, in its in its second edition. The first edition, I think, it was 2003 or 2005. I'm not sure. And mm-hmm. I think the okay. second one was 2010. Um, wow. So can I ask you the like, early story? Like, a, how long ago did you go to kind of get forced by your father to that first rehab? How many years ago was that? That was 20 years ago. Wow. Was twenty years and, and ago. Is your father and still alive and in AA? Is he is, still... and he won't talk to me. He does not talk to me. He won't read the book. Uh, he thinks I'm like the devil child. He has made my life, you know, not not very well, uh, and it's really sad. Like he's really, he still goes to like five AA meetings a week after he's been sober. I don't know over twenty years, uh, or at thirty. And he still is going to meetings, and that's you know his life. And you know he's just very um, that he cho- he basically chose AA. It's the AA, not me. You know, and so well, uh, that's, that's you like know. Well, you could tell Leah yeah. Remedy that you could you could tell her that. I think that a lot of people have this misconception about AA. But when you hear someone like yourself, um, you tell people in literally a tweet or, you know, on, on social media, people hear it. Like, that's outrageous. I know someone else whose father was in it 30-something years. And still, like, why? I mean, me, when I was in it that long, they're lucky if they could get me to go one meeting a week. You know what I mean? Like, right. uh, mm-hmm. And I only did that in the in the last few years when I found a home group again. There were meetings. There were years where that, that didn't happen. I didn't go to any you know what I mean? I went once a month or something. But anyway, back to you. I want to keep talking about you. So why? <laughs> let's see. Um, why? Let's talk uh, something very specific that I think you wanted to talk about was uh, why was AA not helpful to you? Um, why was AA not helpful to me? Um, well, a, there was some there was some things that were helpful. I mean, the whole the, the support system that I got, um, especially from women's groups. I don't know why that was better for me, but um, the support system was was good. That was that was nice for me. And um, I just don't think that it was helpful um, because it didn't address the the you know depression and anxiety, and that that would come up all the time, and it just didn't it didn't touch that. And so. That didn't that didn't happen, and it didn't. It wasn't enough to just turn my will and my life over to the care of God, and then that was it, and that was the answer. 
Um, it's not that I don't believe in God even that I do. And I, and I meditate every day now, and that's a big part of my thing. So it's not even, that wasn't even my objection. So, um, you know, and I want to tell people I did, I worked all the steps twice, very thoroughly. I made my amends even to my father, you know, I made amends to everybody. Um, so I have done the steps thoroughly. It's not like I just went to AA a couple of times and said, Oh, it doesn't work for me. Never mind. I want, you know what I mean? It's not like that. I, I worked a, you know, a thorough program. I had a sponsor. I did, I, I really was in it. And there were, there were actually years when I was like an AA cheerleader or I was really into mm-hmm. AA. Um, yeah. but you know, so I, I really did try the program and it just, it wasn't enough. It, it just wasn't enough, you know, um, even if I had tried AA plus something else, I just needed something else. Um, it just didn't hold water to, you know, I needed it, whether it was uh, medication, you know, whether it was therapy, whether it was, you know, whether it was cognitive behavioral therapy. Now they have DB, uh, dialectical behavioral therapy, which is proving to be really helpful for um, addiction. And I've tried um, that and it's, I love it. It really resonated with me. There's just so many things that, um, that are out there that that you can try then different things resonate with different people um but mm-hmm. uh but yeah 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 okay they, they um i think that the other thing component that i hear from your experience too is that the way that the whole setup with the time thing and that you know, if you lapse again, and I'd rather use the word lapse than relapse because I hate a language, but, you know, they that if you lapsed or, you know, at some point you had six months and then you, you know, drank something or did some drugs, that there's a lot of shaming. So if, if it wasn't so, um, yeah, so shaming and that they have these belief systems that set up a person who might have been doing really well and then something happens and then you either have some alcohol, you have some drugs, and then you're like, oh, you fucked up and you have to start over and no, that doesn't matter and you have to take the chips and you have to stay. Like there's these rigid, um, you know, protocols now that are very, very – and even if you went to a laid-back group that those heavy protocols or those – systems the ideology now is very ingrained in the in this way so that if you're talking about not just doing that once or twice but you know over years you're it makes people feel worse and worse about themselves it, it says my self-esteem just plummeted and, and you know i had self-esteem issues issues to begin with so i needed i needed a program that would help help with my self-esteem something like if something like women for sobriety or or the 16 steps they help they they help bolster your self-esteem or this one kind of knocks you down because you know even if you lapse even if it's just like one drink or one pill and you yeah. go oh god i kind of messed up you know yeah. you're yeah. like oh my god i have to start all the way at the beginning and they're like you lose all your time you have to stand mm-hmm. up as a newcomer it's like it's like they make it so that you, it's very humiliating very shaming and what it does is i think it's awfully harmful because what happens in your mentality is you go out and you're like oh if i have to start all over again i might as well go out with a bang i'm gonna have to try some yeah. cocaine i might as well get the alcohol yeah. i might as well you know stay out for five i might as well you know just go on a on a uh on a bender for you know five you know five days instead of just you know if it wasn't if it wouldn't be a big deal you would have just had that one drink or you know a couple of drinks and been like oh 
oh, God, I made a mistake and gone back to the program. And it wouldn't be a big, you know, no big deal. And that's kind of how, like, they do it at Smart Recovery. Like, they, you come back, you're like, oh, you know what? I kind of had a drink, you know, uh, you know, two drinks last night. You know, no big deal. You don't lose right, your time. Right, right. It's like, what did People you learn? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, what did you like learn? Well, yeah, no one, yeah, no one, you know, no one is, you know, there's no shame. There's no nothing. It's like, oh, you know, nothing is no big deal. And so and that's the way it should be, you know. I totally agree. I agree. And so with that, how would you say that, how did you finally recover then? Um, I'm I'm still learning. I mean, I'm, I, I've tried, I've done smart. Um, I, the meditation for me, the meditation has been the biggest deal because it's calmed me down. Like I've, I've been so hyper, 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 um, you know, my whole life and I've needed to just calm down. Um, and like say, everything's okay. Like, and so meditation and, and I had therapy. Um, so that was a big part of it. And just, um, and also, I had to change the way I thought. I, you know, I had so much negative self-talk, negative mm-hmm. thinking, like, "Oh, you're so stupid. Oh, you're, you're, you know, such an idiot." So, I mean, mm-hmm. all day long, though. I mean, I would negatively talk to myself all day, and I had to retrain my brain to say positive things, like, "Oh, you know," and not, not, you know, and I would have to say it to myself. You know, I had to put like. Um, postcards like oh you know my mirror saying like you are lovable you are worthwhile and it sounds makes yeah. sense stupid but yeah, I no, no, it doesn't sound stupid yeah you know no, I, I had to teach myself I had to teach myself these things because and I still do it because uh you know my brain automatically goes to the negative and I don't know why I don't know why that is um but well, maybe you were raised um, in, I in a to, home where they had really critical parents that's something that you could I mean, I did really good uh, counseling and therapy and marriage counseling, and one of the ways that that begins, if you have a, a parents that were highly critical. So did you have parents mm-hmm. who were highly critical as you were growing up? Um, I had my, my mom. They were, I had really sick parents. I mean, my dad was an al- alcoholic, cocaine addict, workaholic, and never there, and, and with rage. And my mom was just had her own issues, and um, I think I've been very critical of myself. I've been a perfectionist. And, um, I, you know, I'm nothing. I have to be the best at everything, or it's 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 no good. Um, so I've been very critical of myself, and I don't even know where I got that from. I've just been always like that as, as far back as I can remember. Mm-hmm. And yeah, well, so mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So um, so yeah. And, and so you would say that. I mean, I also did affirmations when I was young and new. And, uh, you know, going to AA meetings and <clears throat> those things helped me, but they were, I did not learn them in AA. They were people that were, you know, learning other things and talking about other things. So, and I read lots of positive books that, you know, you really had to do uh, kind of work on yourself to, and which I now learned is called Cognitive Behavioral Therapy. And there's right. a great book called Feeling Good. Uh, I mean, I think it's a really good book. I don't think it's 100%. I don't, I don't know if there's a 100% book out there. That, But there are some really good alternative non-12-step books about addiction that I've read, you know, too many of them. I feel like I could have a master's in uh, non-12-step addiction books and treatment <laughs> after, you know, doing all this um, interviewing people. And But I did learn that uh, there was stuff I did early on that had nothing to do with AA that helped me um, grow and get better and be more positive and uh, so you found other things you know you talked about uh, was it dialectal dialectical 
behavioral therapy? Is that what DBT? Is that what you mentioned that really helped you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, can you talk that about helps. that I mean, and what I, that is? I, I got to start on that. Well, I, I can't really go into it because it's really kind of complex and it's hard. You know, I don't really know as much, you know, I don't know off the top of my head, like, how to kind of go into it. But, yeah. um, uh, like, uh, I could look up what I have. No, 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 my, it's okay. Yeah, no. Whatever yeah. you feel but, like, you know, it, it was something you said that, that you mentioned that you had actually used and it yeah. worked. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, I I mean, I'd like to do, I'd like to go back and do it, actually, um, some more of it, because it's, it's just something that I did some of it, and it just resonated what, um, what they did with me, and I just was like, and, you know, I think it really helped at the time, but it's like, I really would like to do it again, um, I just haven't mm-hmm. had the chance right now, but, you know, also, what I've done, too, is, like you said, I kind of have to, t- to like, teach myself, like, I read The Power of Now, I had to get really present-minded, like, um, mm-hmm. I read the power of now and the four agreements, but what it did was it got me to the, you know, focus on the present and where I'm at now. I was constantly, um, looking at the past and, and, you know, really regretting it and really just really, um, just focusing on the past and all the mistakes I did and, and I made and, you know, um, and it was really yeah. making me, so it was making my depression so much worse or I was focusing, worrying about the future. So, or, you know, that was making my anxiety worse. So I was constantly doing this. And so mm-hmm. what it did was I just had to focus so much is on the here and now on in, in the, you know, very present moment to this very second. And that helped me so much. Um, you know, I, I, I that helped me. Um, so there are like different books, there's different, there's different ways you can, um, uh, that you can help yourself. That's, that's not an AA. Right, right. And what would you say, um, well, I would just want to say that you really put together a really great resource guide in this book with alternatives to AA. And, um, would you like to talk about, I mean, I, I that must have taken a lot of work to uh, i'm just like flipping through it it's a big part of the book melanie um you know i mean did you call everybody yeah i mean how did you get this incredible resource and what made you do this um i it just came to me like when i was writing it i just it just it just happened and i don't know how i came up with it i just knew that i had to get everybody in one place i wanted to make um, I wanted to make it easy for everyone to be able to find contact information and just not only, mm-hmm. you know, like what the alternatives were, but where to go to get it, you know? Right, and, right. you know, when you're, when you're having these problems, you don't want to have to either read, you know, a 300 page book, you know, for the answer or, mm-hmm. you know, you want the answer now, <laughs> like you want right. answers now. And nice so I, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So I try to, you know, I put as much information I, that I knew at the time, um, you know, uh, you know, all way I've had like smart therapists and I had like moderation management therapists. I put them in the book and all of their emails and phone numbers. And, and then I, you know, updated that uh, and put cognitive behavioral therapists in the second edition. And in the third edition is so much, <laughs> there's so much more information coming out in the third edition because I've learned so much more. And then it's, it's going to be a lot um, bigger and better than the first two. So I'm excited about that one. Um, wow! That, yeah, that's um, yeah. Yeah, and and when is that going to come out? That's hopefully going to come out by the end of the year. I'm hoping. When it does, let me know when it's ready to go to you know Amazon or we're going to do it. Uh, we could just contact me and we could have you on the show again. For those of you who are listening, we are talking to Melanie Beth Solomon, 
who wrote AA, Not the Only Way. I have the second edition, and it was an Amazon um, bestseller. Um, can you give us – now, I, I know that you know you know all this, and I actually know the alternatives, but there's people every day joining groups and blogs on Facebook. Can you just uh, give our listeners the examples of the alternatives uh, to Alcoholics Anonymous? What are some of the alternatives? We could start with um, the free Some groups, of the alternatives, I, I mean, there, there's Smart Recovery. Um, there's Women for Sobriety. There is Life Ring. There is um, 16 Steps. Um, what's it called? I think it's 16 Steps to something. Um, I don't know the name of it, but it's I like it a lot. 16 Step for Discovery and Empowerment Model. Um, uh, so there's those, but you know, it, a lot of people don't want to go to groups. They want to, mm-hmm. you know, if that, that's not necessary. Um, if, if right. Some people like that, some people don't. And so if you don't, mm-hmm. um, there's also individual therapies like cognitive behavioral therapy or, um, or dialectical um, that's been showing to be very effective with um, if you have a, an addiction or and um, also, um, a, you know, mental um, issue as well, like anxiety, depression, bipolar, um, you know, there, it's been effective for that as well. And there's also, there's hypnotherapy, there's acupuncture, there is, um, oh, um, what else is there? There's SOS, uh, yeah, harm reduction. Oh. Oh, yeah, well, there's harm reduction. Mm-hmm. There's, um, uh, there's, what is there? There's harm reduction. There's yoga. There's, um, they're using, um, group guided, um, uh, hallucinogen, like, um, LSD. Oh, yeah. Like, so, mm-hmm. um, Andrew Tatarski out of New York, uh, there, there was just a whole, uh, weekend or some, somebody did a thing on that. People, and then that, I think that kind of, sprung out of the people who did ayahuasca, especially people who were heroin addicts, where kind of nothing was working in today's, you know, sphere, and then people were doing ayahuasca, and then they realized how uh, hallucinogens were very powerful for that. I mean, I know because he posts on my Facebook groups all the time, and that somebody just did uh, a thing, you know, they did like a workshop about that. So that is something, and I would say over the years I've been doing the work uh, it's, that's really grown in um, people talking about it and feeling comfortable talking about it in the last couple of years. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, is, is, okay. that the, is that like ibogaine as well? Is that is that what you're talking about? Is or is that something different? Uh, yeah, I'm not. Talk, I don't. I'm not familiar at all with ibogaine. I, 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 okay. I think there's. Uh, you have to. I, I'm not familiar with that. I am familiar with LSD. Okay. I mean, I took it myself as a oh, teenager. Oh, okay. And, yeah, and, and in fact, I know that Bill Wilson did it. Um, but they were, you know, they were proving that it was working with depression and addiction. And uh, but then when the um, the hippies started to use it, and it became like it was like sort of a cultural drug, then it took away from the use medicinally that Otis Huxley and other people were using it for, right, to open up the mind. And then, but you know, it's interesting that part of the story. So much of this I didn't know when I was in AA, but the research when I left AA, that that's why. Like he sort of turned over the hands to the general service board, and not that you care about this either. I'll just say it, and we can move on. But that—that's when he sort of turned over the reins to the general service board and the conference. That then, because he was kind of getting out there, and he was out there, and uh, you know, 
I think that if naltrexon was around, the guy might have tried it. But who knows? We'll never know, right? We'll just never, never know. But um, <laughs> uh, let's see. I want. I want. There's something in some of your notes here that it says uh, there are many tools and skills you learn. Um, however, unlike AA, you are not expected to go to meetings for the rest of your life. Um, as you yeah. progress and get better. Um, this is the part about SMART, and I, I do want to mention this because I think this was something that I found very shocking as a still AA member in 2010 when I went to some SMART meetings in, in, in Santa Monica that no one was expected to go forever. And uh, Right? You know, you just, like, you go if you go and you want to go. Like, even for me, like, when I left AA, I went on to the SMART Recovery 24-7 chat rooms at night just to kind of like talk to people about things. And then after a year, it's like I had no desire to go into a smart chat room again. Right. You know, right. Well, so yeah, I mean, it's like, it just, yeah, as you get better, you know, you kind of you need meetings less and you've already learned the tools and you kind of, you know, you've, you've learned them. So you, you know, you kind of, that's, you kind of phase it out. And, uh, instead of like AA is like, yeah, you just go the rest of your life and they, you know, that's what they expect. So different expectations. Why, why do you think that, you know, AA is still so prevalent? I mean, well, from your, I mean, I certainly have my opinion, but from your side and your perspective, you've been at it for a long time yourself. Um, why do you think? I mean, that I'm it's actually, so I'm actually, I'm actually surprised that it's still this prevalent. But I think, I, I think it's, it's, I think it's going to stop. But um, I mean, just the fact that. It's just the, it, well the most well known. I think the money from the treatment centers, the um, you know the, the treatment centers and the sober the sober livings yeah. and the you know all these places you know they're run a lot of them are run by people that got sober in AA and so mm -hmm. they are in the mentality like that's how they got sober and that's what they know so that's what they're going to promote and then they you know they charge a god from bit I don't know how much you know a month and it's just kind of all runs they all run you know. Uh, they all support each other. And so um, I think that's a big reason. I think in the media, AA is still being portrayed. Basically, that's the only way people are really, um, mm -hmm. uh, you know, known to get, to get sober. And, uh, and, but you know, what's, you know, what's interesting is I've been doing my research for the third edition and, you know, I've been looking up treatment centers and, and, and professionals and everything. And, and uh, so many of them are like, we offer more than AA. We offer more than AA. So we have an individualized approach. We are, you know, holistic. They're all getting away from AA. And I think there's going to be a big shift soon in the treatment industry and in, in, in the sober living industry, whatever, in the whole industry. I think there's going to be a huge shift soon. And I can't, I'm really excited to see it because I think that AA is going to be, um, you know, there's only so many years you can go on with a 5% success rate without like right. people really going, Oh, you know, that's not really right. good. You know, that's, yeah. you know, not good enough for us. You know, we right. kind of demand more. Mm -hmm. We demand yeah, better. I, I mean, you I know? think that it's it's really, really big and bad um, as, as the level of with the pilots being coerced. So I think that one of the components that, uh, you know, sort of came to me were pilots and nurses and doctors that when you send all professionals, and they've been doing it with the three major ones or four major ones since the 70s, like 40 years forcing every nurse, pilot, doctor, and lawyer 
who not only didn't get into trouble, but the other components who were seeking help were all forced down that that route is mm-hmm. really awful. And then you have drug court that's been going on for 27 years in California, 28 years in Florida, that they have all these one point something million a year um, being forced into Alcoholics Anonymous. And then Hollywood making one big movie, whether it's like Fallen with a uh, um, you know, Denzel Washington flying out of the sky and then ending the movie with this stupid talk and then him going to AA. Like, it's a big, um, it's sort of a big plan that worked really well. And then if everybody who goes, who becomes a diehard stepper like I was once and you were once, that goes to proselytize and we become proselytized and get involved in, you know, a GSR or speaking at schools or going to, you know, like freaking Cedar sinai the fucking AA meetings in their mental ward. It's like, get the fuck <laughs> out of here. Really, guys? Like, you know, and same thing with UCLA. Like, I, I can't even handle the amount of work that it would take. I know how to do it. I know because I was a stepper. Like, I know what it's going to take to undo them, but I don't have the manpower, Melanie. Yeah. You know, I don't have yeah. the army that they have. You know, SMART doesn't have the army. Now, they're growing. They're right. growing because of people like you and people like Gabrielle Glaser, who wrote her book, who did all those pieces in The Atlantic and The Daily Beast. And then you have other people that have been hammering away forever, whether it's Dr. Mark Karn or Stanton Peel or Dr. Horvath or Andrew Tatarski or Jeff Foote in New York. Um, but you have to, I think, on the, I mean, I really hope that there's a switch but I think, you know, the stuff with the rehabs, that they are playing the game of saying we all, t- all offer other things. But if you go there, like if we investigated them, I don't believe right. that all that are putting it on their website, you know, are really non-12-step. Because you have, and, and the mm-hmm. sober living, in my opinion, needs to go away. It needs to be annihilated. Like there is no reason. Yeah. A $1,000 a, a, a month, and there are four people in a room and all the oh, fraud with that and, and, and P-tests, you know, and I mean that. Let me ask you this. So let's go back in time. Uh, did you go to rehab here in L.A.? Um, I, well, I went to – it, it wasn't a rehab. Yeah, actually, it was, they claimed to be a rehab. They weren't – what are they called? Um, uh, no, of course, I'm not going to remember their name. Yeah, that's okay. I want them but closed, was, was it here? Too. I went to one. I went to one in um, – I was in San Diego. And it was, uh, I ended up, it ended up to be not certified. Like they were completely a sham. They, they were this, the, all they did was send you to live these classes, like, you know, all day. And then AA meetings all night, you know, every night. And it was, it was horrendous. It was horrendous, you know, and mm. they treated you like crap, They you know, because they could. And it was just, um, it was just awful. And, um, yeah, the sober livings. I I've been in sober livings before too, and they're they're not they're not great. <laughs> they're not great at all. Right, right. And uh, did you have you know have to pay for it? Did your insurance pay for it back then? Um, no, um, no. Actually, one I was on scholarship for. Um, so I didn't have to pay. Scholarship. Um, that yeah. yeah. That means I didn't have to pay. Um, 
Yeah. That means you paid I did with not your life, though. You paid dearly. I did with pay something. with my life. I gave my life up. I was in I was in Washington. I gave my cats up. I gave my home up. I gave all of that up because, um, yeah, it was my life, and I went and and for bullshit, and that's why I want them closed. I want, you know, I'm, I was. Yeah, I'm me pissed. too. Yeah. You know? No, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, totally. Uh, I think um, let, let's talk about some of this. So it was just part of your bio for the past five years. In addition to being a full-time writer and speaker, Melanie has provided personal coaching for those with alcohol and drug problems. As a recovery coach, she helps clients find the treatment plan that is best matched for their particular situation while motivating and supporting them in taking action on their own behalf. She has also taught at the Huntington Beach School District's Drug and Alcohol Program, led workshops for the Learning Annex of California, and been interviewed on the 30 radio shows. So we knew about the radio shows, but there's a lot in there. Talk about anything that I just read of stuff that you've you've done and are doing now. Um, well, the, the thing, one thing that I really loved was doing the um, – was teaching at the school at the drug and alcohol program mm -hmm. um, because it was a lot of it was a lot of kids um, you know adolescents that got in trouble with drugs or alcohol that they were basically getting sent to me instead of punishment and mm -hmm. but a lot of them you know they they needed to hear about alternatives they were really grateful to hear about alternatives oh, because wow. good for you yeah. Yeah, because, well, they didn't want to be, you know, sent to AA and said, you know, you're, they're an alcoholic, they're an addict because, what, they smoked some pot, you know, and, right, and they, right. you know, they, they took some drinks and now they're going to be labeled the rest of their lives, you know, and, and get that, you know, you know, that's ridiculous. Um, so, mm -hmm. you know, their parents, you know, both of their parents and the, the, the teens were just like, oh, my God, thank you, you know, and uh, so it was really gratifying to to teach with um to teach the adolescents i like that a lot are you still doing that no 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 i did that i mean that when i was in la before like seven like seven years ago six years ago mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um now that i'm back i don't know i haven't even thought i haven't even thought to go back there but um but no it, PTA, it's, i don't know what interesting yeah, yeah. No, I, I want to just jump in. So when my son was graduating from high school, he's now 22. They both went to Culver High. I went to the PTA and uh, asked, you know, they were like, oh, does anybody want to give a talk? And I was like, yeah, I do. <laughs> and they didn't know what I was going to do. So I came and I wrote, a, I wrote a talk. And then I brought these alternative books. I brought like Ken Case's book and Emily Coy's book. I brought like three or four books. And I read this and you could like... It was really interesting. It was huh. really like you could hear the pin drop, and then I could tell that the secretary and the vice president, uh, a price principal, was a stepper. It was really interesting. Oh yeah. Hmm. But we got to educate a lot of people. I mean, it was it was a good thing. Uh, but I think somebody. So you so you did that for a while, and a recovery coach. How about that? Do you still do that? Um, I'm still doing that. I haven't. Um, I don't do that a lot. So like, I won't do that a lot. Um, uh, but but occasionally, you know, if people call and reach out to me, I do. I will do that. Um, and I will do that even free of charge. But if people don't have money, I just you know, I I just do it. You know, I'm like I I, I want to help people. I that's what I do, and I will help people get in either into treatment if they need that. If that's you know, we figure out what people need. We know what do they need to go to treatment, or can they even, can they stop drinking, or you know, on their own, or you know, what's what stage are they in, what you know, what's going on in in their life, and um. 
so I yeah, and I don't do that as much right now. I'm really concentrating on just getting the book out, and then you know I, I was asked to actually go consult uh, with this firm uh, that go all over the United States to treatment centers to teach about the alternatives, and I was like, no, nah, I want that. Actually, sounds really cool. Um, but I, let me let me get this book done first, and and like maybe I'll maybe that's cool. I can't write. I'll just maybe travel mm-hmm. around and just teach. You know, it's a good idea. Teach treatment centers, and yeah, and about the alternatives. I'm like, ah, I can do, it's like a course, you know. And I'm like, oh, I could do that. So oh, that's I know, a really I, good I, idea, sure. Melanie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So I, I might do that. I'm not I'm not quite sure what I'm going to do yet, but that's a possibility. So. Yeah, writing a book and finishing a book is you know quite a task. I, uh, yeah. Yeah. Here you have kind of to focus at some point and and stop doing like the other stuff like keep going. Yeah, I mean, hmm. All right. So uh, you're working on the third edition now, and are you? Do you live in LA now? Um. Yeah. I'm. Yeah. I'm in Culver City. I'm in LA, and um, I did. I thought I'd never come back to LA, but I guess this is where I'm supposed to be. Um. Wow, uh, I didn't realize. So. Yeah, you're back here. And so what would you say if um, you could make these changes of all of the problems that you and I know and especially what you know, what is your the, what you'd really like to change? Like what part of this whole problem, if you could you know, wave a magic wand and make it happen, which part of this problem would you fix? Um, I think I, it's the the tough question. I mean, I, I think my big thing is I want everyone to have, it's a right, they have the, everyone has the right to know, like I, the knowledge I want people, uh if I can, I don't know, I want people to, um, not be, um, blocked like I, I I don't know how to best say this I don't know what I'm trying to say but I'm like I want people to, to have the options I want people to have their options I want them you know I don't want people to be mandated I don't want people to be um you know um I think everybody they should be well known I want everybody to you know everything to be just out there and you know known um and uh um, and just, just, and just very well known that you know, not every there's just like a not a one size fits all you know, you mm-hmm. know solution here. You know, we've got right. a problem so it's sort here. Of like a big, and, if we, you know, you had a big uh, budget for public information, that would be enough. Like I have one bench ad on the corner of Pico and Westwood, but if there was a big budget to do to run ads and TV ads, and that you could have. You know, you would be sitting on all the morning talk shows talking about the alternatives, that it became well-known like sliced bread. Like, this is my dream. I mean, I agree that the, one of the first things is that everyone needs to know that they exist. Right, and that, exactly. And then they would grow exponentially because the people would get, you know, they would go there. Like, after Gabrielle and I were on Katie Couric, like Tom Horvath said the next day, there were like, like say if the meetings because they were small back then, right? So say the meeting were like there were four women. The next day there were like eight women in the group. Like there was right. huge from just one show, right? right? We could have billboards, you know, splashed on, you know, get on the freeway there in Culver City. That you had that kind of money where you could do a campaign, then that piece could be fulfilled. But it takes a nonprofit. 
to them, then people can give to the nonprofit, and then that can be executed. But exactly. I'm seeing, you know, and, and at one point I thought about turning this in, turning like A, not the only way into a nonprofit, like turning a part of it into a nonprofit. I just, I didn't know how, and I didn't, um, I kind of, I, that kind of just didn't happen because, yeah. yeah, I was thinking, you know, I, this, a lot of things I want to do takes a lot of money. <laughs> it takes a big budget, which I don't have. Um, so, um, so yeah, that's, yeah, it's, it, I wish I could just go on, you know, and and get every billboard and do everything and just have everybody know. That uh, me too. Uh, and I think that uh one of the focuses that I, besides have, you know, more people on like yourself again going through this like next phase of my own work is possibility of getting people together or what wh- whatever their main focus would be, right? That if you could create um, even a committee, even if it's only one person, but you're like the public information, and let's say I would be for pilots and nurses and no court ordering violence and sex offenders. Those are my big right. And then someone else who's a nurse would handle all the nursing and not and handle the calling the board of nursing. But the fact that your book, I mean, your book is very, uh, you know, it's got a lot of information. And it's a really good tool for that first-time person. There's a lot of people who come into my deprogramming group or the two leaving AA groups that are in Facebook besides my leaving AA site. And they they want a therapist that's not AA. That's not only not in AA, but it's not going to tell them to go to AA. Right? Right. And, right. You know, you, mm-hmm. and I, I think that uh, I'm, I'm glad that you're taking the time uh, to, I would love to meet with you in person sometime. We're so close. I, you know, I mean, we're like five minutes from Culver City. I, I lived there for a long time. But that my next thing of, and if there is anybody else that you think would be great for me to interview, like yourself, feel free to refer them to me. You know, or say, you okay. know, have so because somebody just mentioned about you, and I said, oh, that's funny. I just asked her to do it. And I'm going to have the people on who have the the Facebook group that families for sensible drug policy, you know, the, and they created a nonprofit um, for that. Okay. Are you a part of that um, uh, uh, Facebook group? Families for sure. a sensible drug policy, very very good group. There's 2,300 members. Families for a sensible drug policy. You should join it if you're not. It's a really good one. And um, I think that it's uh, Carol Bayer and Barry Lesson created. Um, this group, and then also created a nonprofit, so that you could, you know, and there's just so wonderful people out there. But I think if each of us, I, I think coming together, uh, even if, it, you know, in any way possible, to get the word out, because I agree, like my father definitely needed help, and you know, I didn't know anything else but AA, you know, and he's dead. He's like 2008, like it's just so sad. In the years up to 2008. Um, that I would, you know, he'd wind up in Hawaii, and then I'd call my AANA friends, and they would go, and he was like, get out of here. I don't want this, you know, uh, this crap. I don't, I, he hated AA. And uh, so, you know, he had a pharmaceutical issue and and, and a periodic alcohol issue, and, um, you know, just kind of lost everything. And it's really, it's just so, anyway, I'm with you. You know, and those of you who are listening, yeah. I'm just, announcement that I'm talking to Melanie Beth Solomon. She is the author of the book, AA, Not the Only Way. 
And the, the first is this first and second edition are available on Amazon. Is the second edition available? No, the second edition actually the second edition is sold out. Except they can get it on Kindle. You can get it on the ebook. Mm, okay. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I mean, this is really I'm I'm really glad that I finally had you on because you actually were the first book that I probably saw on Stinking Thinking. Did you ever blog on Stinking Thinking? I, I don't think I blogged active? on there. I, no, no, I don't think I blogged on there. Mm-hmm. No, no. But I remember getting a. Me- I remember you from a long time ago, you, like getting a message from you saying you were the first book I ever read. Stanton Peel <laughs> like recommended that you, that you talk to yeah. me or something, and I remember that, like right. from, yeah, from from years ago. Right, right. It's probably two thousand and. 10 or 11 or something like that. Yeah, something yeah, something about forever ago, yeah. Mhm. Yeah. Um so I just opened up there's some things that um, you have like lists of alternative treatments, you have acupuncture, you have Chinese herbs, you have hypnotherapy, you have nutrition, um personal fitness, uh yoga, neurotransmitter restoration and TR, um affirmations. Uh, is there anything else we have about, uh, you know, about about 10 minutes more that we can talk? Is there something else that you would like to talk about, aspect of the book, or what helped you, or what doesn't help you? Um, I think, um, I don't know specifically what else I'd want to talk about. Um, um, let me, I don't know, I'm blanking. <laughs> Well, then we'll just talk. So um, I, I think that uh, it's important, and I do think that uh, that the world is changing, like you were talking about, in a positive way, that the, these rehabs will become more science-based. I mean, one of the things that I found shocking was when I found out that a rehab is considered a non-medical facility, and I was like, well, why? And then how? It's it's just um, so. It, Governor Brown, as soon as he got elected, got rid of a department like a drug and alcohol, and so now all that is overseeing it, or what's overseeing it is like the health board, the board of health. And there's very few people that are monitoring these places, and many of them are nothing but a house, so you can have a drug treatment. Center. It's not a center. It should be called a drug treatment house, and it's not really drug treatment. It is uh, AA people playing house, right? And charging right. a lot it's of money. Crazy. Yeah. Are getting. I mean, there's a lot of fraud, like the whole story with you know Chris Batham. Do you know the story about him? Mm-mm. That guy who no. the FBI investigated. Well, yeah, it's a huge story that was yeah. um, written up in the LA Times, and it actually went, you know, national news. And they interviewed him on the, the whole story on 2020, and exposed this. And I've had people been contacting me in the last few weeks of really horrific stories where they actually have the kids get out so that they can, and they want them to use drugs again because um, you can't continue getting the treatment if you're sober. So they actually give them the drugs and then bring them back in. I mean, it is like, and and the drug testing is what makes it all so expensive, and it's the reason why our insurance is so high. And Obamacare or the American, whatever called, the ACA, doesn't help. It's really hurt the situation. Like, what what Obamacare forced, or we just call it the American, what's the other the proper name for it? Uh, 
that it created a big vacuum of bullshit with fraud in California. So the California care, um, it was explained to me that if my, in fact, I experienced it to get my son who's older uh, on health care, but if you come from out of state, so now California taxpayers are paying for addicts or for people with drug and alcohol problems to come into the state, and they have figured out the game where they get them on Medicare, and then they are covered, where someone who has lived here his whole life is not going to get covered. That is fucked up. And they get to go in and out and in and out and in and out eight or nine times. I think that, no, like if you don't get cured by your cancer, like come on, like nine times, and then, so why is sober living being covered? You know, I mean, it isn't from, by, you know, people pay this money, but in, there's these IOP programs, and I'm just like, the more I learn about it, Melanie, I'm like, oh, this is so bad. And I'm at another level of like, oh, this is so bad. Like, you need, like, the FBI, and the FBI is investigating and exposing, and it's done it in three places. Chris Batham was one of them here. Another guy in Florida. I wanted, and I wanted to go in at one to, at one point when I was in there. I was I was like I want to go in as a pretend as a client and like wear a wire, you know, and like and just and to show people how people get treated and how like um, because it's so awful. It is so yeah, awful. Yeah, that needs to be done. Yeah, I, I think it's good, and, but I think oh, and they, they would, oh, they would, they would give me, they would give me the wrong medications. I was like, who's medication? We were, we were, me and my roommate were the only like normal ones there, and we were literally tracking down their mistakes because we were like, should we sue them? Should should we get an investigator in here? I mean, they they gave her my meds, and she was like, oh. who, like who's? She's like, what is this? They're like, oh yeah. Oh, those are Melanie's meds. And they, were, they were like, and then they were giving me the wrong meds. I'm like, oh, what are you doing? Uh, I mean, they were like literally um, unethical malpractice. I mean, stuff. I mean, they were it, all these things. Like they would have um, people doing all sorts of crazy stuff, and uh, it, it 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 would blow your mind. I mean, it would literally. I have a whole notebook that I kept that I have of mm. just stuff that ha- that happened and um that, that why they should be shut down and um hmm. it just it just uh if people knew what went on there they would just they, they just would never send their kids there and they would never send their anybody there yeah. have you and, ever uh, yeah. looked back to see if there's still that that place is still around like the in your notes like if that place is still in existence because some of them really last a long time you know no i believe yes, i believe it is yeah it is oh. mm. it is um yeah it is but um do you have a blog but, yeah do you have a blog? I, you know what? I I don't have a blog. Um, I actually have a blog, a site, but I don't I don't I don't blog yet. I actually am going to start blogging for a blog. <laughs> um, it's, mm-hmm. I think it's blogs.com, and um, I don't know. Apparently, like two million people visitors per month go there. So that's the only commitment I made. I made it. I'm doing my book, and then I'm writing for that blog. So that's yeah, that's yeah. what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, so you don't have a. Those are the two things. All I don't right, have well, a personal me... blog now. No, I just have my website, yeah. which is just um, you know, aa not the only way dot com. Um, I have that, and then um, I just you know, I'm on Facebook and LinkedIn, and 
You know, this, this is how I know the times are changing and people are interested in, in alternatives. I just wrote an article on top 10 alternatives to AA. Yeah. And it when I, I put it on LinkedIn and it's had over 2,000 clicks Whoa. and over 82 shares. Wow. It's going crazy. And Ooh, it's, that's and good. Going, and, yeah, it's going crazy. <laughs> it's going crazy. Usually on LinkedIn you get like, you know, maybe 50, maybe. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's it's gone crazy, um, and it's it's just um, I know you know times are changing. People are just there, all you know, just from having conversations on LinkedIn. You know, with all the professionals, you know, therapists, and you know, what and and just people in the field, they're they're very very interested. They're very open, much more so than ever before than than you know than I've ever than I've ever um, come across. Well, wow, that's really interesting. I never, I mean, I, I am on it, and um, I've connected with people, but not like a way. Are You're not on Twitter, though, are you? I am on Twitter. I mean, I just, I, I don't use it Twitter? that much. I, huh? Yeah, who are you? Are you your name on Twitter? I think I'm my name on Twitter. I think right, so. I, no. I barely ever use it. I like when I when I post something on LinkedIn, then I just sit, I set hit Twitter, you know, and pe- occasion, you know, people follow me. I don't, I, you know, I don't use it that much because I, I think it's kind of silly. But I, I you know, I, uh, I LinkedIn is what I use the most, and because I, uh, that's, um, that's where I'm finding the most, um, mm-hmm. uh, that's where I'm getting the most discussions on on what we can be doing and where I where I can be. Um, you know, working together with people and and possibilities of working together on how we can make this happen. You know that that you know where we can make this happen. Yeah, I just found you on Twitter. I just followed you. Okay. So I did. I'm, okay. I just followed you. Yeah, and I'll post. I'll send like a tweet or something to you, and you could post it on the show that you were just here and we just discussed you. So we just discussed your book and your upcoming third edition. A uh, great picture that you sent me. I couldn't put it up there because it was too big of a file. So um, if you want to get me a smaller, uh, or I can grab something off the Internet, but I prefer to ask, you know, if you, you want to send me something smaller, I can always add it in later so your picture shows up in anything that I post. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think I sent you the smallest one that I oh, had. Oh, you did after? Oh, okay. At, well, at, we are. Right, yeah, 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 so. yeah. Okay, so I'll take a look and add it. Well, I want to thank you so much again. We were talking. We are talking to Melanie Beth Solomon, and her book is AA, not the only way, and you can get it uh, on Kindle now on Amazon, and I have a copy right here. And I want to thank you so much, Melanie. We stay in touch, and uh, maybe we oh, can yeah. have a cup of coffee. I'm so close to you. We can, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Thank All right, you everybody. For well, me on, Monica. You're welcome. You're welcome, Melanie. Uh, it was really nice talking to you and getting to know you better. Thank you for writing the book, and I look forward to the new version. And thank you all for listening out there. Uh, we'll see you again next week at the same time, same channel. Take care, everybody. See you. Bye bye. Thank you so much, Melanie. You're welcome. Bye bye. Bye.